This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for listening to my show, Dog Whistle Brandon. Today, I share some more thoughts on positioning and why I believe no amount of positioning will help if there's no demand for what you're offering. Whether you agree with me or not, I'm curious to hear your thoughts after today's episode. All right, Gunny, get them ready. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. Welcome to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide weekly tack planning on marketing, brand strategy, and category design for early and growth stage veteran-owned small businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, a Marine Corps veteran, godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, and CEO of Ironbound Media, a podcast production agency that helps veteran-owned businesses create, distribute, and grow branded podcasts in order to engage with your ideal audience. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB and our work at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Today, I want to continue our conversation on positioning, but this time with the caveat, because I believe that positioning won't help your company if there's no demand for the products or services um, that you're offering. And so I know over the last few episodes, I've been really focused on positioning. I had Ariel Jackson on from First Round Capital, Don Fall from Unusual Ventures, and Bill and I, you know, ripped on it on the episode Vitamins and uh, Painkillers. But what led me to talk about this today is because, you know, one of my mentors, Christopher Lockhead, um, author of Play Bigger, Niche Down, he's got an amazing podcast, Lockhead on Marketing. And one of the things he's always emphasizing is thinking about thinking, right? So I know a lot of times when we create platforms like this, right, people come at it with the assumption that like we're we know all the answers, right? That we're just this authority, et cetera. But I also want to use this platform to kind of challenge people's assumptions and also kind of articulate my own understanding. So bear with me. So one of the reasons I want to talk about this today is because uh, after I recorded the vitamins and painkiller episode, I recorded a video and I uploaded it to my LinkedIn. And I basically summarized the conversation Bill and I had just about making sure that in the early days of launching a venture, your responsibility is to validate that you have something people are willing to pay for. And the easy way, easiest way to do that, the low-hanging fruit, is to position yourself as a painkiller instead of a vitamin, which is a nice to have. And a friend of mine, a fellow entrepreneur, veteran entrepreneur named Carla Bonds pushed back. And she says, hey, Mike, there are a lot of businesses out there that are vitamins, right? Not everyone could be a painkiller. And I pushed back a little bit because... I think it's in stages, right? So like in the early stages of launching a business or testing some new innovation, right? You need to get market-based feedback. And the only way in my mind to get real true market-based feedback is by having paying customers. Because yeah, you can do signups, you can do all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, I feel like, you know, uh, it's a different conversation once people start paying. How many of you out there use free products, free software, et cetera? But once that bill hits, 
right? It's kind of like a different conversation. For me, I use free software all the time. But when I'm about to make that financial commitment for a year, et cetera, you know, I start to say, hey, how's my cash flow and stuff looking? And so, you know, I just feel like charging for your products and services uh, make it real. And for whatever reason, in Silicon Valley, and I think Silicon Valley has really skewed entrepreneurship for a lot of people because I feel like a lot of the, the best practices and stuff that they're putting out isn't focused on, um, how do I say it? Achieving success at scale, right? I like to say all the time, lifting as we climb, right? What's the point of being on the mountaintop if you're the only one up there? Like, that's not winning to me. That's not winning to me in my circle of influence. Those of you that are tuning into this show, other veteran entrepreneurs or people, you know, here locally um, in the community, right? I want to rise up together. But in the Silicon Valley approach to entrepreneurship, a lot of times it's like you'll sacrifice uh, the many just for a select few. And I push back on that because I believe one of the reasons so many uh, businesses fail is because we're not spending enough enough time really identifying if there is a market need and validating it with paying customers, right? Like I've said it at once, I said it again, I can tell when someone has no idea who their perfect customer is, right? Because you ask them and they got marbles in their mouth, right? And you can tell they haven't been talking to customers because in my mind, right, if you talk to a hundred customers, hell, if you close a hundred customers, right, you should have a pretty good understanding of your value proposition, right? And if that's not the case, chances are you're not being proactive enough. You're not talking to customers. And this is a hard uh, pill for a lot of people to swallow. If you are talking to customers and they're not buying your products or services, it may be less of a positioning problem for you and more that the reality of it is that there's just no uh, market demand. And, you know, for us as veterans, right, we're big on this mission accomplishment, this idea that we can win in business and that we can will our success um, into existence by just working harder. But if you're swimming upstream in a market that's dying, like I found myself in when the COVID pandemic hit and I could no longer do on-site boxing classes, I could be the best entrepreneur in the world, but that would still be a hard market for me to succeed in because there just wasn't any demand for on-site boxing classes. I think about when I first left the Marines, right? In my younger days, I was a, a meat eater, literally. Chicken, beef, et cetera, lifting heavy weights and stuff. And I just remember seeing all this, you know, vegan stuff and vegetarian. And hell, you think about like pre-2010, right? Yeah, there were people out there that were vegetarians and vegan, but it wasn't as big of a market as there is now, right? Like you'd, it'd be hard pressed to walk into a restaurant and say, like, what are your vegan options? What are your vegetarian options? What are your gluten-free options, right? We just, it disappears that we weren't as health conscious as we are today. Um, and the market just wasn't there in the same way. So yeah, I'm sure that there were a ton of great, uh, healthy, vegan-friendly brands that launched, you know, pre-2000 or between 2000 and 2010 that didn't get the track record of success like a lot of these new emerging brands are today because the market wasn't, wasn't there. Right. And so again, right. Like I know I'm big on positioning, finding that market opportunity uh, and carving out that messaging so that your perfect customer says, take my money. But there is a caveat, right? Like you have to make sure that the demand is there. And one uh, group I've been fascinated by are these startup studios or venture studios. And essentially 
These are uh, incubators that come up with ideas in-house, right? And then they source entrepreneurs to run the company, right? And so a lot of times a startup studio will take a larger percent of equity since they came up with the idea, or they'll partner with the entrepreneur who already has an idea, but needs some operating partners to help bring it to life, like sales, marketing, et cetera. And what this allows venture studios to do is basically uh, increase their chances of success because those of you in the fight, right, you understand how hard, uh, how hard it is to bring a venture to life, to achieve that initial lift off. But here's the interesting thing about startup studios. Uh, they kill ideas a lot. So I was listening to a podcast called Acquired, um, and uh, one of the uh, hosts of Acquired is a managing partner of Pioneer Square Labs, which is a venture studio out in, uh, where is it out? In Seattle, Washington. And on the show, he kind of talks about their model, and he says that they kill nine out of 10 ideas that they come up with. So they go through their ideation phase, then they go through their validation phase where they're getting signups and they're trying to get customers, beta customers, stuff, et cetera. And at a certain point before they decide to move forward with this, they will kill a venture if they feel like, hey, the market is not there. But for us as founders, right, as veterans, a lot of us, there's so much ego tied into our business because we make this huge announcement when we launch our business. Everyone's congratulating us. They're patting us on the back. You know, maybe you get some press early on because you're a veteran and people love what you're doing and what you uh, uh, they believe in you, et cetera. And with that comes this pressure that like, this is the venture you have to stick with, right? But the reality of it is you don't know what you don't know. So once you launch and you start getting beat up by the market and you start to gain a better understanding of uh, your perfect customer, right? The reality of it is, is you're going to have better insight to whether or not like there's demand for what you're offering. And if there is no demand, right? Rather than just having a failing venture and a failing venture is bad enough, right? It's hard enough, but you don't need to drag it out for three, four, five years, right? You can, it's okay to kill it. I'm giving you permission to kill your venture because there just might not be the opportunity there. The same with some innovation, right? You know, Jim Collins talks about firing bullets, then cannonballs in his book, um, Great by Choice, right? So some of you all are running growth stage companies. You're tempted to enter new markets, new verticals. You know, you fire out some bullets, right, to validate whether or not there's a pool there. And if there's no pool, kill the idea. Doesn't mean you can't come up with other ones. It just means that that idea might not be a good fit. And so we got to have this conversation amongst our tribe because I want you all to succeed. And you're going to learn so much going through this journey of going through a, a real go-to-market journey, bringing that venture to life. And those lessons are going to compound. But if there's no market for this current venture that you're offering, right, lick your wounds, take your losses, and try again. And you might just want to come at it from a different angle. There are so many successful entrepreneurs out there that y'all are following, that y'all are reading about. And I like to call it the 300 missing pages, right? When you hear their story and they say, oh, I came up with this business and now it's a unicorn or whatever, they don't often talk about all the failed ventures that they launched before. Right. And I know we are big on pivoting. Right. That's a big word in the startup community is about their pivoting. But sometimes I even think pivoting can be misleading. Right. So on one aspect, you can pivot, i.e. Uh, go after a different perfect customer. Right. Massage your messaging a bit because, you know, you launch like my case, you think you're for incubators and accelerators. And then you realize, hey, your niche 
Your specialty is really about serving uh, veteran-owned businesses, right? Pivot. But at the same time, there's also these pivots that are taking place where people are fundamentally changing the business model altogether, right? So they're really introducing a new business. So you think about me again, right? Started off in on-site boxing, right? Pivoted into podcasting. That is a completely different business model. I launched a new venture. Yeah, I kept the name Ironbound, but I just called it Ironbound Media because, you know, Ironbound is a strong brand. I like the ties to my nonprofit, et cetera. But for a lot of people out there, right? Like, hey, you might just need to, to rename it, right? Give it, take another shot, take another swing at the plate, you know, and we got to have these conversations. I'm encouraging you to do so. So this is a little bit shorter episode than I usually record, but I just felt like I wanted to get this off my chest for y'all. And I want to hear feedback, right? What are your thoughts, right? Is there a way to figure it out in a bad market? <laughs> Honestly, I don't think so, right? But maybe you're coming, maybe you're coming at it um, from another perspective. And I think the reason uh, I probably get a lot of pushback on this or where the pushback is going to come is because so many people are in love with their ventures, right? It's hard to realize like, man, I've been doing this two, three, four years. I still don't have any real revenue, not enough to like pay myself, pay myself. Hell, I'm talking about like, if you haven't gotten like $50,000 of revenue, $100,000 of revenue, can you pay yourself something? Can you bring on other team members, right? I'm not saying that like business isn't hard, but I'm saying it's hard enough without a market that's dead. It's like sitting in, uh, it's like sitting in the ocean, right? In the middle of still water, right? You're just baking under the sun. There's nothing you can do versus, you know, catching a, a, a wave, right? It's flowing, you're moving, the wind's at your back and you're off to the races. Like, yeah, it's hard, but it's easier to navigate because you got some momentum under you. And that momentum isn't just tied to you working hard. The momentum is tied to people are actually out there looking for what you are offering. Like the market is there. And I had a great conversation about this with uh, Justin Jackson, author of Marketing for Developers and co-founder of Transistor.fm, which hosts all of our podcasts at Ironbound Media. And I had him on the transition to talk about this. And he was the one, he was one of the first people that really helped me understand the importance of this market first uh, mindset, because I feel like that is a competitive advantage for me now because I'm actively looking and I can see whether or not there is a market opportunity. I might not necessarily be able to see that, hey, there's a market opportunity that's going to turn into a billion dollar unicorn. But I'm talking about in the initial kind of launch phases. I'm talking about in the growth phase, right? We're trying to introduce some new innovation because my system is all about validating with paying customers, right? I Maybe I'm a contrarian here at, with the Ironbound Media and Dog Whistle Branding, but I don't care about clicks and impressions and all that other stuff. To some people, that's important. But to me, I'm like, are people actually reaching out to us? Are they engaging? You know, if I put out a podcast, are people emailing me or message me on LinkedIn saying, hey, Mike, that was fire what you were talking about. That really resonated with me, right? If I introduce a new product, right? I'm even introducing a new product now called the Brand Probe, which is going to allow us to um, get in and really identify our clients' strengths, weaknesses, and opportunities, you know, and then decide, hey, what's the best course of action um, from there? And so even as I'm introducing this brand probe, I'm going out and I'm getting customers to sign up and pay a fee to undergo it because that's going to let me know how valuable this truly is. The market will tell you whether or not you have something of value. So go out there, sell, stop chasing vanity metrics, 
you know, engage customers um, and figure out if there's a demand for what you're offering. The most important thing you can do as a founder, as a business owner that's introducing some new innovation is to validate the market need. Because if you don't validate that market need, you're going to be in a world of pain. And it might not even be short pain. It might be long, drawn out pain that's going to cause you to suffer, your family to suffer, and your employees and your team. So let me know what you think of today's episode. Can you outposition a bad market? I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, let me know by shooting me an email at michaelweirironbound.com or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. And also make sure you are signed up for our newsletter on Dog Whistle Brandon at the link in the show notes. I do my best to send out a newsletter once a week, every morning, every Tuesday morning. I'm at 6 a.m. And I am really pushing myself and my team to establish ourselves uh, as a premier authority around brand building for veteran-owned businesses. We've got to learn. We're creating content, right? We're doing case studies, right? We're introducing this brand probe, right? I don't take this lightly. Like, you guys are my tribe. This is my community. I want all of you to win. You know, one of my goals with Ironbound Media is for us to be like the King Midas of Brandon, right? Like, if a veteran touches us at any point, whether it's on a call, you know, I do a master class or something, I want them to walk away better than they came, right? I want all of us to win because I don't believe in a scarcity mindset. I believe there's enough for all of us out there. And so I'm doing my best on our end to learn as much as we can, share as much as we can, and really create some assets to help support those of you out there as you built these badass, better known brands. So appreciate you for tuning in to the show. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we help veteran business leaders create, distribute, and grow branded podcast series in order to engage with their ideal audience. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is also powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders that serves mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veterans and other badass business owners at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com. Hey.